0: We are living in a world of rapid change, a world of mounting complexity, a world full of information, but very few answers. Let's face it, it can feel complicated. And the more complex issues appear, the more difficult it is to find our way. But what if the answers we seek aren't as complicated as we think? What if I told you God is not a God of confusion, but a God of clarity? What if instead of pushing forward without direction, we return to the foundation that God created for us? What if we decided to reject the confusion our world is presenting to us? What if we decided to get back to basics? I'm not sure if you've noticed, but um, we live in a very different world than the one in which I was raised. And some of that's really, really good. And some of that's really, really not good. I, I, I want to show you a few things that, that I actually pulled up this week. That you could pull up right now on your smartphone. If you were allowed to do that in church. Which you're not. But um, I, I want to show you a few things that highlight the fact that we live in a very different world. You could do this right now, you do it when you get home. Literally, all of this is is from this week. Uh, I, I went to Google and I typed in this very simple question. Are you ready for the question? Can men get pregnant? And I thought I knew the answer to that question. (laughs) Let me show you what came back on that Google search. All right, we can look at it together here. Let me show you that. Anyone who has a uterus and ovaries could become pregnant and give birth. People who are born male and living as men cannot get pregnant. I don't think the last half of that sentence is needed. A transgender man or non-binary person may be able to get pregnant, however. It's only possible for a person to be pregnant if they have a uterus. But then I want you to see how Google stacks various articles related to the question. Let me show you the first article that comes right below the answer to that question. Here it is. Can men get pregnant? Yes, it's possible for men to become pregnant and give birth to children of their own. Let me show you another article that comes right on the heels of that, all right? show you this here. An article where a member of Planned Parenthood testified before the U.S. Congress and said, men can have pregnancies, especially trans men, but both biological and trans men are capable of becoming pregnant. Now, if I owned a tech company responsible for searches on the web, and someone typed in to the search bar for which I was responsible, can men get pregnant? There would be no articles listed. There would just be one answer in size 88 font (laughs) that said no. No, (laughs) right, like that's it, that's it. But I don't own a giant tech company. I'm not responsible for any boxes where people type in questions and search the Internet. But those who do own such companies and those who do carry the means and responsibility of implementing algorithms that produce articles and answers have an agenda to convince the world in which we live that human beings are very different from human beings created in the image of God. You you may have noticed this. uh, This is true. As you're sending text messages, some of you are getting familiar with emojis. Some of you are using them wrongly. Some of you need a course that we will be offering in the future on Wednesday nights on proper emoji use, okay. Make sure you sign up for that. But you can do this right now, you can do it later today. Okay, this is all this week. What I'm showing you is all this week, current. If you type in the word pregnant, there would be different emojis that surface. Okay, like you can type in different words and text and your emojis, your suggestions will come up. If you just type the word pregnant in, a text message, here are two emojis suggested for you that will come up. The first is a woman. The second is a man. That is not a man after Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) That is a pregnant man. So here's where we are in the world in which we live, we are defining identity very differently than the way God defines identity and gives identity. Things that some of you took for granted in the world in which you were raised are no longer taken for granted. And we have a generation of children and grandchildren who listen in here, don't know a world any different than this one. They are asking legitimate questions. Many of you who are here today have these questions. Many of you watching us online have these questions. You see the tension in our culture. You are aware of the debates. and, And there is this agenda, make no mistake about it. This is a very intentional agenda to lead humanity to see humanity very differently than we ever have before. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of the most important issues facing our world. And I'm going to do my very, very best to take us back to basics. Because we need to discover and rediscover the beauty of God's design. There is no fulfillment in any identity outside of God's design for us, right? It's not there. So here's what we're gonna do. Today, we're gonna talk about what it means to be a man. And ladies, I wanna outline for you ways that you can pray for your husband. If you're looking for a husband, some things that you need to be on the lookout for. And men, I want to talk to us today about what it means to carry out God's design as men. Next week, you got to be here and you got to invite somebody to be with you because I'm going to take on Barbie. (laughs) Next week, next week, I'm talking about Jesus, Barbie, and me. And I'm going to be taking on Barbie next week. You do not want to miss next week. And then the week after that. We will have for those of you with children. We will have a, a special kids' worship session because we're going to be talking about God's design for sex, and I'm going to show you some scriptures that you aren't even aware are in the Bible because God is very pro-sex. Okay, and so all right, so, all right, hold up, fellas. That, I didn't hear any ladies' amen in that. All right, so. Um, Then we're gonna talk about God's design for husbands and wives. We're gonna do two weeks, very practical, on the basic needs of husbands and wives. And then we're gonna talk about our children and and how to be effective in raising children in this world. And then the last week of the series, we're gonna talk about how do you navigate life when it doesn't go according to plan. Maybe that's singleness, maybe that's uh, being a widow or a widower, maybe that's navigating divorce and a blended family. So we're just gonna talk about some things these next few weeks that are very much on the forefront of what's happening in our culture, because I think we need to get back to basics. (laughs) We need to get back to basics. Here's the reality. Our world is leaning into identity that's rooted more in sociology than biology. Slate Magazine said recently that gender is a kind of performance. It's something that we actively create from the limited cultural materials we encounter. Therefore, babies are not gender beings. They are genderless. And this is widely dispersed thinking on social media and through numerous outlets today. This is the pushed norm. This is the new world. And, and I've lived a little bit of life. I've lived long enough to know this. Having been in a labor and delivery room four times, I can promise you that babies are not genderless. In fact, before my wife and I got in the labor and delivery room, we got to experience this thing called ultrasound. And around 16 or 18 weeks, we got to make the decision, would we find out what our babies are going to be? Well, that's not what they are, right? Um, what we would see when they're born. And, and uh, let, me, let me put this delicately. We were looking for something. <laughs> I was hoping that what we were looking for would cause the technician to fall out of her seat. (laughs) And the first time we went in, I searched and I searched and I searched and nothing was found. (laughs) Except for a lot of worry and anxiety about who this precious child would marry one day and who would ruin her life and mine. And then my wife and I went to the mall and we contemplated life with what would months later be a beautiful baby girl. But there was no question in that room what we were looking for, why we were looking for it, because in the womb, babies are not genderless. When babies are born, they're not some concoction of Mr. Potato Head where they can choose what attachments they assign themselves. And I just want you to understand this runs much deeper than just parts of our bodies, okay. Every single one of us as men and women are hardwired as men or women. Okay, so I'm, I'm not a medical doctor or a biologist, Okay. But, but here's what we know to be true, okay? Human females, ladies, you possess in your 23rd pair of chromosomes, two Xs. I don't know why they're Xs and not Ms, <laughs> Xs and not Ws, but whoever discovered this said Xs. So they're Xs, you have two X chromosomes. Men in the 23rd pair of chromosomes have an X and a Y. Why an X and a Y? Probably because, There are a lot of women who ask, why are men the way they are? So in the 23rd pair of chromosomes, biological males have an X and a Y and biological females have an X and an X. And here's what that means. 100 years after someone buries you in the ground, we could extract your remains, we could... Extract your DNA and we would know, just from your skeletal structure remaining 100 years after your death, if you were a biological male or a biological female. You see, there really is no debate about the science. And in our society, we're told to trust the science If the science meets the agenda of the ruling class. Because to trust the science means that females have two X's in their 23rd pair of chromosomes and males have an X and a Y. You ready for this? Without exception. And, and, so, and so here's the thing. We, we need to today, we're going to lean into what it means to be a male and a man. And next week we're going to talk about what it means to be a, a woman and a female. And, and we need to understand this very simple takeaway. If you're taking notes, you've got to write this down. Okay, here, here's, this is going to guide us the next couple of weeks here. Deviation from our design leads to dysfunction. I just want you to, I've got a lot of scriptures for you today. We're, we're doing something a little different in this series. I'm just going to be like in one passage each week. Okay, I've, I'm going to pull together a, a lot of content from across the spectrum of God's word as he's revealed it to us over time. And I just want you to see this powerful truth that anytime you deviate from God's design in your life, it's going to lead to dysfunction. Every single time. And so we need to go back to basics and we need to discover and rediscover what does it mean to live in this world the way God's designed us to live in this world as men and women, husbands and wives, fathers and mothers. What does it mean to flourish and to be fulfilled in our relationships? What does this look like? Okay, that's our goal here in the next few weeks. And as we start with manhood, I've got three takeaways I want you to see from God's word, okay. I know for some of you are going to write down some things that are going to shock you. That you cannot believe you actually having to think about them. But these things are not obvious to everyone who's worshiping with us today, and I understand that. And so I want you to show, I want to show you the beauty of God's word and the beauty of God's sign. First of all, write this down To be a man is to be a male. Did I lose anybody there? If you would have told me 20 years ago that this would be necessary, to shape the minds of those who were connecting with us today, I thought you were crazy. But this is where we are today. So I want to clarify for many of you who are wondering, who are searching. Um, maybe those of you who don't believe this to be true, if you would just give me an opportunity to show you the beauty of God's design and that every single man who is truly a man is a male, a biological male. Now, this is the way it goes. Let me show you Genesis 1.26. All right, here's what it says. Now, God said, this is in the creation, right? Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry on the ground. In other words, I don't have time to flesh this out, but, but mankind is elevated in our world, okay? Um, human babies are different than dolphin babies. Human beings are different than animals, okay? I'm not saying we should ever abuse the created order, right? Because we're not called to abuse it. We're called to steward it, to subdue it, okay? But I I just want you to see here, there's something different about human beings created in the image of God. But, But then look at verse 27, here's the primary difference. It's biological. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Here it is, male and female, he created them. So God gave us in the 23rd set of chromosomes, a huge difference between men and women that affects our hormonal development. It affects our physical growth and development. Male and female are equal. We are both significant. We are both precious in the eyes of God, but we are different. There are times we're very different. I will be watching football today. I have no idea what my wife will be doing. We are very different. I'm not saying it's a right and wrong, but it is a right and wrong. I I don't know why she's not going to be doing what I'm going to be doing today. But if any of you all want to hang out with her today, trust me, she's going to be available. All right, so of course we're different. Because God created us to be different, right? I'm not talking about football. I'm just talking about biology here. We're created male and we're created female. Okay, even the secular world acknowledges this. The National Center for Biotechnology said this, quote, of particular interest between men and women, are differences that have been identified in the brain. Although the brains of men and women are highly similar because we're both human beings, they show consistent differences that have important implications for each, hormonal differences. Stanford Medicine, not a bastion of conservative biblical thinking, said this about the brain. Why are men's and women's brains different? In females, the primary additives are a few members of the set of molecules called estrogens along with another molecule called progesterone. And in males, testosterone and a few lookalikes collectively deemed androgens. You can tell just looking at the brain, there's a difference between male and female. It would surprise you to learn in most males, the male brain is larger than the female brain. No, no, ladies, back off. That's just science. And it's interesting, you were with me on the science up to that point, weren't you? But the female brain, we know this, communicates better, right brain and left brain. In other words, men have larger physical brains, but they use them less efficiently. <laughs> which is a shock to no one, okay. That is a shock to no one. I'm just telling you, this is the science, okay. Men and women are different biologically, okay. So to be, what is it, guys, we're thinking about manhood today. Next week, I take on Barbie. But today, I want to start with us, man. What does it mean to be a man? Well, first of all, it means you're a male. Because our biology reflects God's glory. And I understand there's a very real struggle with some people with their sexual identity. And and they have same-sex attractions and they have these desires. And the way that it's encouraged today is not the answer. Because if you're a biological male or you're a biological female and you're attempting to live your life as an opposite gender that you're literally not hardwired to be, you will never discover the fulfillment you crave. So to be a man is to be a male. And guys, I just wanna say this very clearly, our maleness has to be tethered to biology, not activity. Because in our society, we typically, superficially equate gender identity with activity so if you're a male that will join me today and hopefully not getting up from the sofa until bedtime <laughs> you think okay that's what it means to be a male but if you're a male who doesn't like sports here's what i'm saying to you today you're ever much a male as those who do and we do a very poor job at times of talking about what it means to be male or female because we typically lessen identity to something that's connected to activity. And, and here's what I want to say to you, I want to remind you of this, that if you're a male that enjoys playing an instrument and not playing sports, that's great. And whatever activities you enjoy, here's my point, right, like, like to be a male and a female is ultimately about how God has hardwired our biology to reflect his glory and there are some default settings in us biologically that we can never get away from. And what our culture is pushing is madness because what we're already seeing in the very few years, few short years we've been experimenting with gender assignment, surgeries and all the rest, is that many people who have them later regret them because they can't overcome how they are hardwired as males and females. And I just want to say, as Christ followers, for those of you who are with us today who are followers of Jesus, we have to be very, very careful to define identity, not as activity, but as biology. Let me tell you something. When some of you guys meet King David one day, I know you ain't going to do nothing about like stepping on up to him because the dude killed lions and bears with his own hands. He... He ain't scared of you. But he also loved to sing. And he danced when he worshiped, kind of like Pastor Jason does sometimes up here on stage. He does the chubby checker. Y'all see and love the chubby checker, right. And David loved to sing and he played instruments and he wrote the hymn book for the Jewish people. And ain't nobody going to be stepping up to David in the new heavens and new earth calling him a sissy. Now, if any of you think about it, please let me know in advance because I'd love to see what happens. (laughs) See, my point is we've got to get away from identity as activity. No, our identity is ultimately connected to biology. And therefore, to be a man is to be a male. Secondly, write this down, okay. But, but this is important. Every biological male is not yet a functional man. You see, every biological male is not yet a functional man. You can be, here's what I mean. You can be a male, you can be an adult male member of the human race, but not yet a man. And there are in our society, make no mistake about it, a lot of adult males who are not yet men. And I don't want anybody pointing anybody else out in this room. <laughs> See, you can be an adult male, but not yet a man. Let me, let me talk to you then men about what it means to be a man. Because the scripture speaks to this. Let me show you Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. Here's what the scripture says. I searched for a man, Among them who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I may not destroy it, but I found no one. There were plenty of males. Are you with me? There were plenty of adult males. There were no men. You picking up what I'm putting down? There were plenty of males. Let me show you what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 16. This is what the apostle Paul said to the church of Corinth. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong. Not be a biological male. That's not what Paul means. He's saying, Men, you should be men. No matter what you enjoy in your activities, no matter like what you like to do in your free time, like no matter um, no matter what you just naturally are inclined to like, enjoy, or what you struggle with, no, 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 no. What ultimately defines you as a man is the fact that you're a male, but just because you're a male does not yet mean you're functioning as a man. And so to be an adult male who is a man means that you are embracing a few qualities that God has assigned to you in your role in this world as a biological male who in adulthood has assumed proper manhood. Because when Adam was created, listen to me, as a single man before he was married, before the Lord created his wife, he was given certain responsibilities, um, a, a dominion in the world where God had placed him as a man. He receives assignments from the Lord as a man that he's expected to carry out. And before sin entered the world, he carried them out joyfully. And therefore, I want to give you three subcategories here of what it means to be a man. And ladies, you ought to write these down because these are the qualities you need to encourage in your husbands or you need to clarify with your children who are looking for husbands or your grandchildren who are looking for husbands. There are three broad categories of what it means to be a man. And so guys, let's flush them out. First of all, provision, make a note of that, provision. You and I as men, here's what it means to be a man. Not an adult male, a man. It means we assume responsibility to work and provide. It means we are not lazy. It means that we do not still live with our parents as adults. It means, single or married, that we have assumed responsibility for our lives. It means that we do not make excuses. It means that we do not elevate our enjoyments and our hobbies over our responsibilities. Because long before sin entered the world, God created man to provide, to exercise dominion. To work. Let me show you Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and he placed him in the Garden of Eden, watch this, to tend it or work it and watch over it. The great Charles Spurgeon said this, some occupation is necessary to happiness. Lazy people will not enjoy even Eden itself. A perfect man is a working man. So what does it mean to be a man, guys? Provision you and i are responsible to provide you say my wife makes more money than i do i don't care you are responsible to ensure that your family has what it needs that is your responsibility secondly protection provision protection You and I have the responsibility to physically, but lean in here, emotionally and spiritually protect our wives and our children. Ladies, that's who you need to be looking for. A man who's serious about provision and a man who is serious about protection. Here's what I mean. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. The Lord God commanded the man. You are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord gave this word to the man. When the man and the woman were tempted, the woman is going along with the temptation because she wants to be like God. And Adam himself, it seems, in his pride, thinks maybe I can be like God. And he does not protect his wife. And he's there with her as she directly disobeys the Lord. And when the Lord shows up, gentlemen, let me show you Genesis 3.8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, you see, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about the garden. And they hid from the Lord among the trees. And so the Lord called out to whom? To the man. And he said, where are you? Now, man, this question was not fundamentally about Adam's location. The Lord knew where Adam was. It was a question about Adam's situation. Where are you? The man was responsible for the provision and the protection of his family. The man was responsible to stand between his wife and the serpent and take a stand. The man was responsible for the spiritual and physical protection of his wife and the garden. And he failed. And, gentlemen, lean in here. The devil is still trying to gain a hearing with your wife and your children. Through social media, through their friends through the influences of our society the devil's still trying to gain a hearing and i want to make this very very clear and i'll make it clear again next week as barbie and i go toe to toe i'll try to elevate my feet to look like hers i want you to hear me loud and clear on this our world needs men our world needs husbands and fathers. And I know there are abuses. And I know there are examples of men who are not workers. And I know there are men who are not protectors. And I'm speaking against those things today, if you're paying attention. But we cannot allow our society to so lean into the abuses of manhood that we neglect the need for men. Because let me tell you what our world needs. Our world needs godly men, godly husbands, and our children need godly fathers. That's what they need. And I've noticed in our world that we pour a lot of money into education. We pour a lot of money into programs and I'm not opposed to any of that. But let me tell you this right now, we spend a lot less time talking about the brokenness of our world because of absent fathers. No one wants to stand in front of a microphone and address some of the very real problems facing them because it would destroy their campaign contributions to say we live in a world where there is a void of men who will provide and protect. And let me tell you something, men, you want to be a man and not just a biological male. You work, you provide, you assume responsibility for the financial future of your family. It doesn't matter if you're in a single working family or a a dual working family or if your wife makes more than you do, it doesn't matter. You are responsible to provide. You are responsible to protect. Let me say it to you this way. The role that you and I share, men, is to keep the devil out of our garden. And if you're not involved having hard conversations with your kids about what's on their phones, if you're not involved leading the fight with your wife about what it's going to look like for your children to be in this world where there is safety and protection, if you're not willing to be your children's father, even though at times it means you can't be their friend, then you are not yet a man. Because a man has a responsibility to stand between himself, his family, and the serpent of old and say, you ain't coming into my garden. That's the responsibility of a man. To provide, to protect, lastly, to direct. Write that down, direction. See, to be a man is to be a male, but you can be an adult male, not yet a man. What does it mean to be an adult male who is a man, who's carrying out God's design? Well, it's provision, protection, lastly, it's direction. Here's what I mean by that. The Lord has given you men the ultimate responsibility to lead your family forward in faith. 1 Corinthians eleven three. this whole chapter is about what we call headship. It just means there is in terms of our roles, not our significance or essence as men and women, just our roles, a greater responsibility for the man. I know that I'm um, saying something that's controversial in our, our society. I say it not out of my own opinion, but out of the authority of God's design. Men, you and I are responsible for direction. Here's what Paul says. There's one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Because he says this in verse 8, the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman did come from man. And Paul's leaning into the order of creation. He's saying the man was created first. The man has greater responsibility. The man is responsible to lead his wife, to lead his family. This is not in any form or fashion a statement of equality or significance or essence. It is a statement of role. Listen, men, God created us first. This speaks to the priority of our leadership. we are given the responsibility in the garden to ensure we don't eat man or woman from that fruit in the middle of that tree that's placed there. And you notice that when the Lord shows up to Eden after Adam and Eve both sin, the Lord doesn't call to the woman. He calls to the man. And I just want to say this loud and clear. If if the Lord would to show up to your house today, men, to give an account for what's happening in your family. When the Lord stands at the door, your wife might answer the door, but the Lord's asking for you. And the Lord's asking for me. And ladies, this is not a reflection of significance or essence. But the tension in our world is a reflection of the brokenness of sin where the Lord said to Eve after her sin that moving forward for the rest of human history, there is going to be tension between the woman and the man in the context of marriage because her desire is going to be to assume the role that the husband has assigned. And the husband's going to be tempted to abdicate that role of directional leadership and let the wife assume it. And ladies, you need to encourage your husbands to lead. You need to support them in their leadership. Come on, come on, ladies. There's gotta be more than two of you, all right. Whew. I thought I was gonna have to get a little extra security going today. I'm always gonna keep it real with you. This is not a lessening of significance, value, or worth. It is fulfillment in the roles that God has assigned. And ladies, you are not the spiritual leaders of your homes. And some of you I know are having to take on a role because you're a single mom or maybe your husband's not a believer, and I understand that dynamic. I understand that uniqueness. Those of you, however, in a family fully intact, your husband's a believer. He needs your encouragement. And men, husbands, in that role, let me tell you something right now. If you haven't yet, it's time for you to step up to the plate. Because you are responsible for the provision, the protection, and the direction of your family. And when the Lord does require us as men to give an account for our families, he's coming to us, he's not coming to our wives. So to be a man is to be a male, an adult male. To be an adult male who's functioning as a man, it means that it's assuming the responsibility for working, provision, protection, direction. And then lastly, let me speak to marriage now because I'm going to talk about that a little bit next week as well. Listen, functional manhood in marriage is about service and sacrifice, guys. It's about service and sacrifice. And I get the caricatures in our society. I understand the abuses of male leadership. That's a real thing. The abuses do not negate the realities of what's needed. And men, here's what it means to lead. It doesn't mean that you lead and love your wives and your families angrily, abusively. It means that you love and lead sacrificially. Ephesians 5 says this, husbands, here's what this means. Love your wives as Christ loves the church. How did Christ love us? He didn't lord his position over us. He did not abuse the church. He, he, he did not um, exercise some type of ungodly dominion over the church. Jesus, um, you know, J- Jesus doesn't, th- doesn't lead in such a way that he's domineering. No, Christ loved the church in this way. He gave up his life for her. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this, the scripture says, to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she would be holy and without fault. He did this, right? To sanctify, to cleanse. And so Paul says this in the same way husbands would love their wives. As they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, Paul says. He feeds and cares for it just as Christ does for the church. And we're members of his body. In other words, we all take care of number one. We all know what it means to make sure our needs are met. And here's what it means, men, to be men in The context of marriage, it means that we bring the same focus, the same veracity, the same intensity, the same level of concern in meeting the needs of our wives that we do meeting the needs that we have ourselves. It's service and sacrifice, it's love that's not reciprocal, it's a love that's unconditional. Gentlemen, it means we love our wives, we show active love, we tell them we love them. Some of you have the philosophy, I told her I loved her at our wedding and I'll let her know if anything ever changes. She needs to hear that you love her, right? She needs to see that you love her, you need to affirm her. We're gonna talk about some practical ways you do that here in a couple weeks, but I just want you to understand guys, that functional manhood in marriage is not about domineering, it's not about abusive leadership, it's, it, it's about service and sacrifice. That's the model of Jesus. Was Jesus weak? I don't think so. I don't think anybody says Jesus is weak. No, but Jesus, as the strongest man who ever lived, the most powerful man who ever lived, demonstrated love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He came to serve, not be served. He gave to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Paul says, men, if you really want to love and lead, it involves provision, protection, direction. And in the context of marriage, here's what it looks like, service and sacrifice. It means we lean into those two things. And therefore we love our wives, not reciprocally, but unconditionally. And guys, it means we have to love our wives today, even when we don't understand them. I thought that would get a lot of amens, and it did. Because there are things about my beautiful, precious wife that I don't always understand. Now, I'm sure she always understands me perfectly. I don't always, I don't always understand it. Listen, we've been married over 25 years. Listen, for 25 and a half years, this has been happening. We go through the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A. I ask her if she wants anything. She says No. I get the peach milkshake because I love the Lord. And I'm on my way out of the drive-thru. And just as I'm making the turn onto the main road, you know what's coming next, don't you? You demon-possessed wives who lie. When your husband asks you if you want something, you say no. But what you mean is you just want some of his. And so my wife says... She's been doing this 25 and a half years. She says, Can I have some of yours? And so, being a godly Ephesians 5 type of husband, I tell her, No, you cannot have some of this. No. Now, in my first few years, let's just say I didn't have as many change in my pocket that I needed, you know, it was yes. 25 years in, we ain't going nowhere. We're stuck with each other. I'm going to roll the dice. No, you cannot have it. And then I sleep on the sofa a few nights and then we're fine. It's like a nice routine we have going. Now listen, I, I got plenty of things I do and say she doesn't understand and she got plenty of things going at times I don't fully understand. And, um, There's a little something about this brokenness in us because of sin that we're gonna do and say things at times, we're just not always gonna see eye to eye or fully understand. Hey guys, here's how Jesus loves you. He loves you when some of your words and actions defy understanding. And he loves you unconditionally. And he loves you because he loves you. And he laid down his life for you. And what I'm saying, guys, is if we're keeping it real, okay, there's no such thing as well, you walk in church looking good on Sundays, and that means you got a nice marriage and everything's hunky-dory. No, 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 no. Listen, just because you're a Christ follower does not mean that the old man or the old woman doesn't still raise his or her ugly head at times, and there are things that happen that we don't fully understand. L- listen to me. Just lean in here, men. Your wife needs to see a love that's not reciprocal, it's a love that's unconditional. You serve her, you serve your family. You know what, guys, you want to have children. And for those who are led to, you know, to that, you know, you're led to marry and have a family. Let me tell you something. You can't live your life as a married man with children the way you did as a single man. Right. <laughs> you just can't. You're going to play less golf. You're going to do less things. You're going to have less free time. You're going to be more tired. And one of the ways when you have little kids that you serve your wife is that you be present at home. Because you want to know a little secret about family, guys? When your kids are little, your wife needs you more. Your kids are not going to remember if you were there or not. Now, as they get older, your kids need you. You know who who needs you, men, when your wife have two babies at home and they're changing diapers all day and they're having conversations about, Door the Explorer. That's the extent of her conversational activity. You know what she needs when you walk in the door? Adult conversation. She needs you to change a few diapers. She needs you to get up in the middle of the night. She needs you to be a man. Because being a man means that you love unconditionally and that love is displayed functionally through service and sacrifice. It means that you come to your wife with the same veracity, care, and concern of meeting her needs that you do with meeting your own. And the world needs men who are men. Not who identify as men who are not biological men. The world needs men who are men. And we need men who assume the responsibilities of manhood to provide, to protect, to direct And in the context of marriage, who love through service and sacrifice. This is what it means to get back to the basic of being a man. And those of you who have been raised in this current world, don't you ever think for one moment that the solution to a world of fulfillment is a world without men. Or a world where women lead at home and the men are just weak and pitiful and pathetic. No, Barbie gonna find out next week that's not the way it should be. (laughs) That's not God's design. You don't wanna miss next week. What we need to do men is model on the front end, service sacrifice, leading and loving, In a way that reflects Jesus, right? Being a spiritual leader, meaning we're gonna lead our family forward in faith, not leading them as a pastor, just leading them as a Christ follower. That's what your family needs. You know what my wife needs? She needs a husband who's not her pastor, first and foremost. She needs a husband that's concerned about the spiritual direction of our family. And here, men, is what it looks like to lead, okay? And um, I just want to show you the beauty of the gospel here. It, It means in emulating Jesus that we assume to the best of our abilities by his grace and the empowering of his Holy Spirit, the three chief roles that Jesus embodied that Adam did not We see these throughout human history, Jesus assuming the role, you ready for this? A prophet, priest, and king. And you know what's amazing about that? When you look at Jesus, you see these roles fulfilled all throughout human history, prophet, priest, and king. Those are the exact three areas where Adam failed. He failed as prophet because he did not treasure the word of God and he did not walk in it. Prophet, priest, He did not intercede for his wife. He failed as priest. King, he did not stand between her and the serpent and say, that ain't going to happen here in my garden. And where Adam failed, Jesus triumphed. He is our prophet, priest, and king. He came as the word to fulfill the word. He came as our high priest to sacrifice himself, his blood for our sin. And he came as our conquering king who rose from the dead and who has provided a way of salvation and eternal joy. And men, what we are called to do is to lean in to where Jesus triumphed, but Adam failed. To assume the role today, not a pastor, that's not what it means to be a spiritual leader. But the leader of your home. You're going to fulfill the role of prophet to the best of your ability. To love the word of God and to apply it to your family. To say things to your children like, hey, we value the will of God above everything else. Not give some churchy answer or whatever. No, 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 just to say, this is what's true. True. Priest, to pray for your children, to stand in the gap, to intercede before them. And king, you're going to take the lead. You're going to assume responsibility. You're going to stand in the gap. You're going to tell the devil, not in my house and not on my children's devices and not in my home. (laughs) Prophet, priest, and king. Where Adam failed, Jesus triumphed. And this is what it means to be a man. And this is what our world desperately needs. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I just want you to understand the starting point to living life to the fullest is to turn from your sin and accept his free offer of grace and forgiveness and Jesus will radically change your life. And we'd love to help you with that. You can reach out to us by texting Bell Shoals at 77411. Stop off at the high top tables as you leave today. We'd love to have a conversation with you about what it means to love, to live for, and follow King Jesus. And for those of you who know Christ, men, today, this week, this is our focus. Let's lead forward like men. Prophet, priest, and king. And do what God has assigned us to do.